Yo, what's up, everyone? G Money Stacks here. You may remember me from shows like Off the Meat Rat Chains, New York Avenue podcast, Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks podcast, Sports Edition show, Meticulous Vibe Juice podcast review show. I'm here to talk to you at home about Spotify for podcasters. Why are you wasting and struggling with your money on a hosting site to promote your show with limited storages? Forget about it. Let's break this down. If you are a current Anchor user, don't worry about the changes. Everything will be the same with added new features. Spotify for Podcasters, formerly known as Anchor, is a free hosting site and phone app that gives you old and new creation tools, also provides free hosting with access to record, upload videos from podcast episodes, edit, add music to your show, monetize, Q&A questions, polls, distribute your podcast on streaming platforms tracking analytics plus the show's growth audience from international places canada usa international including long island and the five boroughs of new york and much more you can get money from sponsorship with no minimum listenership spotify for podcasters also offers hosting and a way to upload podcast videos to attract listeners also keep track of the number number of streams these are the important keys to making a podcast if you like to create a podcast and be a guest co-host like myself you can download the free spotify for podcasters app on your iphones android phones ipads android tablets apple mac and dell laptops with windows or check out the website for more information to get a head start on your podcast journey at www.podcasters.spotify.com. If I can reach success, so can you. Take advantage of the opportunity that's thrown in your face. I'm G Money Stacks, aka The Greginator. Thank you for listening to me and the podcast. Let's go.
Good evening, USA, International, Canada, Long Island, aka Strong Island, plus the five spots of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, Queens. This is your man, G Money Stacks, aka the Gregonator, YouTuber, host with the most, the man who holds the bad doors of the Q5 and N24 buses, unstoppable independent podcaster, and of course, um, Queens, Queens, New York native of Laurelton, Queens, New York. And yes, you are rocking with the 316th episode of Off, of Off the Meat Rat Change New York Avenue podcast, live and direct from StreamYard alongside with YouTube and inside myself, it's the Instagram live feed. Be sure to turn your notifications so you know when I'll be on Instagram live recording episodes. And, and in the meantime, grab the subscribe Grab that subscribe button for me on the YouTube channel page, G Money Stacks Triple Five, for more live video episodes of the podcast. And of course, and of course, um, and of course, leave a like and a comment in the comment section um, down below. And and yes, yeah, stay tuned for more video content including the new and previous episodes. And you can listen, stream, and watch these episodes. In case you miss any of them, don't worry. And, and of course, you can download the episodes. You can also add your favorite, including the topics. And also, you can add the podcast to your playlist. And when, when you do that, you'll be notified on each new episode that will be dropping. <clears throat> so share the videos, share the episodes, and of course, tell it to another friend and now handle, handle the rest at the end of the show. All right. So, um, all right, so let's get to, all right, let me get this out the way. If you like to show more support, you can. You're more than welcome to do that. Um, you can go to either my cash app, which is dollar sign G Money Stacks Triple Five, or you can go to my PayPal, um, G Money Stacks Queens New York. You don't need a lot of money to show more support. It's whatever amount of money you choose and desire to put in as a tip. So it could be a dollar, it could be five dollars, it could be ten dollars, um, whatever amount it may be will be appreciated. And um let me okay, let me do this. I'm sorry. All right, I'll do the Discord thing um before I close out. All right, um, what do you say we go um what do you say we go to um, our New York Mass Transit Files?
All right. Let's start off with the Pen Access Mega Project. All right. Um, all right, so two this is from the this is from the Bronx Times. Um all right, so two of the Bronx's top posts announced a $1.6 billion deal for the Metro North's Pan Access project last weekend, a feat that is set to bring four new Metro North stations to the borough with a goal of reducing commute time to Penn Station and stimulating the local economy. U.S. Senator Charles Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand held a press conference on November 5th announcing the Federal Railroad Administration would be awarding $1.6 billion for the project. Ooh. $1.6 billion. Um, yeah, so the funding is set to go toward rehabilitating 19 miles of the Amtrak Hellgate line, as well as the construction of the four new new stations in Co-op City, Morris Park, Parkchester, Van Ness, and Hunts Point. As part of the deal, the Senators also announced a separate $58 million award to replace the existing 115-year-old Pelham Bay Bridge track. Um, <clears throat> um, transit development equals um, community development, and now $1.6 billion is on the way to accelerate Penn Station access, Schumer said. That means shorter commute times, four new stations here in the Bronx, and more equitable transit for far too long the East and South Bronx has been a transit desert. The project, which um, which has been in the works for years, will trans- transform Amtrak's Hellgate line from two to four tracks in the East Bronx and Westchester. The line will then connect with the New Haven line in New Rochelle to the new Bronx Metro North stations before ending up at Penn Station. These are transformational infrastructure projects that will 
improve safety, quality of life, and economic opportunity for countless New Yorkers, and in particular for residents of the East Bronx, Gillibrand said. A benefit for Manhattan-bound Bronx commuters is that travel times through existing MTA lines to Penn Station that take an hour or longer will now be cut down by up to 50 minutes. According to officials, um, Brad Note, the deputy Penn Access um, Project executive, told the Bronx Times in an interview this summer that the new stations will also make it easier for people to get out of this, to get out of the city back back up north. It provides a secondary um, egress point out of Manhattan back up into the Bronx and Westchester and into Connecticut, note said. <laughs> According to Schumann's office, the project is the largest expansion of the Metro North Railroad, and it's um, estimated to bring transit service within one mile of 500,000 500, residents. Um, supporters of the mega project also taught the possibility of increased infrastructure in the stations surrounding areas, including the chance of bringing more housing and commerce. Um, although there aren't many solid plans in place yet. However, note did tell the Bronx Times this summer that the Bronx Borough Planning Office is in the process of rezoning both the Morris Park and Park Chester Van Ness Station locations to allow for increased building heights and commercial opportunities. This comes four months after a delay in which Penn Access officials blamed Amtrak for not delivering on resources to keep the project running on schedule. The project was originally slated for completion in March 20, 2027, but this summer was pushed back to late 2027. Okay. All right. All right, so we have a we have a vigilante gunman. Okay, so a, vig a vigilante gunman was arrested Wednesday as wild surveillance video emerged showing, showing him brazenly opening fire in a Manhattan, Manhattan subway station in what officials called an outrageous and reckless attempt to thwart a robbery. John wrote, age 43, of Astoria, was taken into custody at his Manhattan job shortly after 2 p.m. after he was recognized by someone who saw the footage of him allegedly opening fire on the homeless man who was trying to rob a woman on the platform of the Town Square station Tuesday night. Oh, boy.
um, <clears throat> wrote who was no prior arrest, was charged with criminal possession of a weapon, criminal possession of a firearm, reckless endangerment, and menacing, the NYPD said. The chilling video obtained by the Post shows the suspect, suspect the gunman spot, the would-be would mugger identified by police as Matthew um, Roche, age 49, trying to forcibly snatch the 40-year-old victim's belongings at the 49th Street and R&W station. Roach slowly takes off his backpack and reaches inside to whip out the handgun, which he raises and nonchalantly fires at the off-camera scuffle. He then begins yelling at Roach while itching closer to the attack before firing the gun another time, according to the footage. The vigilante gunman then charges toward the thief with the weapon still in his hand. Luckily, no one was struck. <clears throat> I want to be clear. We don't tolerate this kind of conduct in NYC transit period. City Transit, City transit President Richard Davey said in a statement announcing Rhodes' arrest. Once again, cameras recorded a perpetrator, and we are grateful that NYPD made an arrest within hours. Thank goodness nobody was hurt here, but what occurred was outrageous, reckless, and, un and unacceptable. Roche, who officials said is known to police, was arrested within minutes of the shooting, but the gunman was able to slip away. Um, he was charged with attempted, attempted robbery. His address is listed as a men's shelter in Kip Kips Bay. Roche was only nabbed after police appealed to um, the the public by releasing um, by releasing the footage and surveillance still of the gunman um, and an, an unnamed acquaintance recognized wrote and called the NYPD sources said okay. All right. Um, <clears throat> all right. Um, let's see. There's any. Um,
All right, so let's get into let's get into chatting on the Jazz as far as um you know Andre three thousand who recently came out with an album that involves flutes. So this is this week's chatting on the Jazz right here. Yeah, so Andre three thousand Andre three thousand came out with a an album that involves flutes. Wait. According to NPR, um, at a certain point in the winding lifespan of Andre 3000's, 3000's um, musical journey, there came a time when he, when we as fans began to worry less about his lack of creative output and more, more about his general well-being. He ascended pop's mountaintop as the outrageous half of outcasts and best-selling hip-hop duo of all time then without much explanation he bowed out he grieved the loss of three parents mom dad and stepdad in a decade's time and for years the only glimpse we got into his state of mind were the random guest verses he'd kill at will or the doubtly random social media sightings of him inexplicably playing flute while wandering the earth solo catching him catching him in the act became a game overzealous fans played like some hip-hop version of where's waldo almost against his wishes but he was also in on the joke he assures assures me I laugh at it because my homies in Atlanta will talk about, you know, we'll talk and they'll be like, man, you know, nigga, think you crazy to f fuck around with this flute.
maybe he was preparing us for what was to come all along. For the first time in over 17 years, Andre 3000 is releasing an album of new music. New Blue Sun, announced November 14th via NPR and released Friday, November 17th, is a stunning 87-minute mind-bender, minimalist, and experimental tribal and transcendent. One thing, one thing it is not, however, is a rap record. No bars, no beats, no sub-bass. Andre doesn't sing on this joint either. What what he does do is play flute, and plenty of it, contrabass, contrabass flute, Mayan flute, bam, bamboo flutes, along with other digital and digital uh, wind instruments. In place of lyrics, he offers eight provocative song titles. Uh, the first of which almost reads like. A low-key apology with a wink of irony. I swear I really wanted to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. The painstaking standard Andre 3000 set may have made it harder to entertain himself in the years post-Outcast, but so has the thought of chasing his his tail. Even with, without a solo rap album in his catalog, he's consistently ranked among the greatest of all time. Like Coltrane reaching for new heights, he mastered raps uh, rigidly. No, rigid. Hold on. Raps rigid. Rigidity. Um, pushed it past its limits and eventually reconfigured the entire landscape alongside Big Boy. He granted a lineage of AT aliens permission to run a mock with melodic sing-songy rhyme styles that would earn them the same early um, derision and eventual mass following he'd gain. Aging gracefully, gracefully is not a luxury afforded most rappers. Even 50 years in, hip-hop is still no country for old men. But what of the rapper who comes to see rap itself as old hat? How should we, as fans, react when the poet alluriate um, of our collective psyche trades in his pen for a woodwind? A departure album in the classic sense, New Blue Sun, also feels like Andre has arrived. Its making came about organically once he relocated from New York to L.A. Instead of the outcast origin story that started at Headland, Headland and Low, where Big Boy and Dre met, their future Dungeon, Dungeon family produces organized noise back in the day. This remix began with an unassuming trip to Arahun, Arahun, excuse me, um, the Chick LA food, the Chick LA health food chain, where Andre bumped into percussionist and experimental jazz heavy Carlos Nino. 
before long, Andre started showing up flute, flute in hand to Nino's crib where they jam in the basement the same way he did in the early dungeon days. Their impromptu meeting introduced Andre to a community of collaborators who contribute to New Blue Sun from keyboardist and Alice Coltrane, uh, Acolyte, uh, Surya, Batsov, um, Fasina, to guitarist, multi-instrumentalist, Nate Mercerou. Um, with no intention of making an album, they began recording about a year ago. Each song was pure impro improvisation with musicians responding to each other in real time. The result is subtle but daring, mainly because it flies in the face of everything we've come to expect. The selfishly demand as Andre 3000 fans. Yet somehow the period instrumental New Blue Sun exposes his unrefined soul and the delicate nature of his creative process in ways the Gemini wordsmiths fine tune verses tend to conceal when we talked the when we talked a few weeks a few weeks before the album's release he was equally transparent and tangible whether laughing about tyler the creator's funny response to his new music detailing the wild um uh wild ayahuasca trip that had him purring like a panther in hawaii or sharing the reason why he gets so many requests to play flute at funerals now. The man may not owe us anything, but he's finally ready to share. All right. <clears throat> so Rodney Carmichael says, there's obviously been a lot of pressure from fans for you to release a new album for years now. I'm sure you've felt it. But from what I've heard you say in the past interviews, it seems like maybe the greatest pressure you felt was the pressure you were um, putting on yourself at times. And, and Andre 3000 says, yeah, for sure. It's always been that way. Even in our height of what people know of what I've done before, I always like, I always like a slow writer. I'm not a freestyler. I don't be freestyling. I just wasn't blessed with that. I'm a writer and not necessarily a pen and pad writer, but I construct and architect verses in a way. That's not, that's what I've been doing all my life. So I look at it in a, in that way. And if I'm not satisfied with what it is, I just don't put it out. Even during the earlier times, Big Boy, he just kind of got down like he's so fast and efficient with what he does 
and it'll take me a minute to, to throw them. It'll take me a minute to throw them down. So I've so I've always um kind of been analyzing it or figuring out how I wanted to approach it. So in these times, um, it just comes harder for me to do to do it, and I don't know why. I mean, I try all the time. It's not like I don't try, or it's not like I have a lot of these songs just sitting. I have songs, but it's not like rap things that I really feel happy about sharing. And really, that's not that's the most important part. I have to feel happy about sharing it. Um, that's my new. That's why New Blue Sun was something that I realized, whoa, I really want people to hear it. I really want to share it. That's my only um, gauge. Gouge. Um, I have to like it as a person, as an artist myself, because if I don't like it, I can't expect ever. I can't expect nobody else to like it. I can't pretend in that way. That's always been hard for me. Once we started recording New Blue Sun, I think like three songs in, I was like, oh, we got something. I remember I had maybe four songs and I was just kind of testing it out because I wanted to see how a younger audience would perceive it. I live in Cali now, so I reached out to Tyler for him to check it out, and I went to his house. Tyler, the creator. Yeah, so we're sitting there, and Frank Ocean just happened to drop by. Um, so it's us three sitting there listening to these three songs, and I just kind of wanted to get an opinion. And it was just good for me to hear with somebody else because sometimes you can be in your own thing and think it's a certain thing and you just want to have some outside. Not that it really matters because once you believe in it enough, I mean, I take criticism all the time, but it's not like, hey, do you like it or not? It's how can we help it? So at that point, I felt like, we had something because we had a nice day and just enjoying it in a way. And I started just playing it for friends and playing it for artists and saying it and playing, it, excuse me, for people I respect or people who I felt would get it. And what kind of feedback would they give you? Give you? Oh, Tyler was staring at this thing that he would, that he has in his house. Like he's a fan of travel suitcases. And so he has a wall of 
like travel suitcases. And he was like, man, I've been trying to figure out how to configure these like Louis, Louis suitcases. And he was listening to one of the songs and he was like, it sounds like you are chasing a butterfly through a garden. And I figured it out. It helped me to figure out, um, it helped me figure out, um, how to do this. And I think Frank pointed it out. Um, one of his favorite tracks out of the three. And, um, and I was just happy to hear that because I respect them as musicians, like new energy. They are going for it, man. So I really respect their opinions. I play it for my homies. I play it for my friends. I play it for artists, directors, just to see their reaction more than any more than anything. So I was just happy with what I was getting. It feels like you are taking us to other realms or definitely other realms like of Andre. Yeah, it took me to to other realms to completely to be completely honest. Like I've been playing flute for years. It got to to a point where it's kind of Instagram worthy, where people were kind of sneaking and filming me, filming me play in space in the public. I might be at Starbucks getting coffee, getting a coffee. I might just start playing and people would just film it and post it. That started to happen a lot. One person actually came up to me on the street and he was like, man, it's a thing. It's a game almost like we're trying to find you and trying to film you play a flute. And that kind of was sucky because it was like a Where's Waldo kind of thing. And I didn't like that because they just kept getting little nicks of me just kind of messing around, you know. So I just felt like I really, I'd really like to play, but it was really for me. I would just walk for hours and I'm a walker. I love to walk. So I would just walk and play for hours. I did that for years and it got to a point where, okay, I want to share. And so going into New Blue Sun, it was kind of like trying to figure out, well, how do I share it? And I had all these ideas and all these influences of how I wanted it to sound. And I think moving to Venice definitely helped introduce me to people I would be playing with. I actually met Carlos Nino in Erewhon. Everybody know, know we call it Club Erewhon because it's a fashionable place to be. So I'm in Erewhon and we meet and he was like, everybody has been telling me that you were in town playing flute. And they were telling me that um, we should meet. He invited me to an event that he was throwing this Alice Coltrane of Alice Coltrane tribute event. And I brought my flute. It was a few hours after we met and we actually just hooked up and I would go to his home go to his house, go to his basement, and we just be playing. So when I started to say, hey, 
I really want to make an effort to make this album. He said, I know players that could help. And we sat around, we tried a few different configurations to figure out what works best for me and in producing the album. We nailed it down and we experimented and we found a sound and it ended up being the core four of us. Me on different woodwind instruments and digital flutes, Carlos Nino on um, percussion, Nate Mercero on guitar, and he hardly ever sounds like he's playing guitar. But he's an awesome, awesome guitarist. He's kind of like a, magi a magician in a way. And then Surya Batofasina, he's a keyboardist, and that was the core four. But I would have never met the people that were really important to what I'm doing now if I wouldn't have moved to Venice. And it was happenstance how I moved to Venice. I know I'm going a long way around it, but the way we recorded it, I think it's important to know. When, when I say it transcended me, it took me to different places to play, like we don't sit around and say, okay, we're going to play these chords uh, because I don't know chords. I don't know keys. I don't know notes. I've always produced in that way, just kind of doing it. And so in this situation, we have the engineer set up and we just press record and find ourselves and listen to each other. So everything you are hearing on New Blue Sun was spontaneous compositions. We made it up on the spot. <clears throat> you mentioned Carlos Nino, whom you produced the album with. He's a heavy hitter and kind of what almost feels like a spiritual guru of sorts in L.A. alt-jazz world. We laugh at the guru because he's like, I'm not, I'm not no guru, but I understand what you mean, what you mean, man. He's a great connector, great person, great musician. He's worked with, he's worked with everybody from Miguel um, Atwood Ferguson to Madlib. And I know you played flute on his most recent Carlos Nino and Friends album. Um, I'm just chilling on fire on a song called Conversations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the way you talk about this community of artists that you got linked up with, it kind of makes me think about your beginnings with the Dungeon family. Definitely. I'm glad you said that because even like the last song on the album, it mentions the Dungeon. And that's on purpose because in... The same way when you talk about Carlos Nino and Nate Mercero and Soya Batofasima and this whole community of players, it gives you an opportunity and support system to be, be as free as you can be. And you need to feel comfortable in a situation to be really free. <laughs> um, 
And that's why I really champion crews. Like even rap crews, it's important to it's important for your crew to be supportive of you because you can be the, the best you can be. I wouldn't be able to play flute or any of this stuff. I wouldn't have produced any of this if it wasn't for the dungeon. The dungeon. So the dungeon was the dirt. That's the ground that we planted everything in. And all those all those members in the dungeon family, Goody Mob, <clears throat> um, organized noise, big boy, everybody created an environment for me to be able to like just go. You've talked about you talked in recent years about having social anxiety disorder and how the need for isolation compounded that even further. Which, first of all, I want to say is so refreshing to me that we as black men, especially, are starting to be just more transparent with each other about mental health. But the fact that this album wasn't made in isolation and was a very collaborative process. Can you talk more about how that give you that gave you this that sense of freedom and helped you get unstuck a little bit? Yeah, totally. The environment was really important and we're listening to each other and we were responding to each other. We're supporting each other at certain times. And that's the sound. So it's kind of mirroring 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 real life. That's why I say when I describe it, which is hard to really describe, it's a full living, breathing album because it's fully alive. We didn't sketch it out. And as far as anxiety and that kind of thing, yes, I have been diagnosed with that. But I realized that like life is life, man. Our grandparents didn't have these terms to describe these things. You know, they didn't have these diagnoses to describe these things. They may have been going through similar things, but they just had to live through it. That's what it is. Life is life and life will come at you in different ways. And it's for you to pay attention to what's happening. I don't feel worse or better than anybody else. I feel like what comes to you is for you. I just use it as an instrument, just like it uses me. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for these, what they call um, ailments and all this kind of stuff. <clears throat> I don't want to lean on it. And a lot of times, because now we have a name for it, we're starting to lean on these names and kind of like really dig into dig into these names and really just try to f just figure it out. Just figure yourself out.
and I'm sh and I'm not sure if sometimes you may give yourself a disservice once you start calling the boogeyman the boogeyman. Then you start looking for it. So it's like just live and take it day by day, man. Everything won't be great. The only thing I could say, learn how to ride the roller coaster. The best thing you can do is learn how to ride the roller coaster with your hands up. <clears throat> well, to a lot of people, it really has it really has to be said that this might feel like a bit of a musical diversion because it's not a rap album. There's no rapping on the album at all. But I think that one thing that any true Andre 3000 fans um, has hopefully learned over the years is to always expect the unexpected. So in some ways, I feel like you've been preparing us for a new direction for decades. But I'm wondering what kind of work it took for you to prepare yourself, even before you got with the tribe and the community and click that you made this album with. What was the pro what was that process like for you in terms of getting to the point? <clears throat> Living. It's not even like a magical thing. My training was living. My direction was living. And what I mean by that is, like you said, I've been kind of preparing you to always be expecting the unexpected from me. That's what's been given to me. When I was a kid, I liked to draw and paint. My mom thought I was going to go to art school. I was supposed to go to Savannah College of Art and Design in Atlanta. And that just didn't happen. I discovered rap. I didn't know I'd be rapping. I didn't know I'd start producing.
Um, right. Um, when I see rappers go to a certain level, I'm sure they didn't know because I didn't know, so I know they ain't know. But that's the magic. So y'all just looking at the magic show, and it's nothing special. I'm not special. Everybody has a certain kind of magic show. Um, the album is titled New Blue Sun. It feels like there's a double meaning at play. Double, maybe triple. New Blue Sun, for me, it means right now. If you look up in the sky, the sun that we've been living under for ages, even the Egyptian times, it's the same sun. And it's this kind of whitish, light, brightish kind of yellow. When people draw it or paint it, it's usually this whitish or yellowish kind of sun. And unfortunately, that sun is going to burn out at some point. That sun will die just like all the stars. And New Blue Sun, for me, was like, I guess in a sci-fi way, the next world or the next beings will be under a bluer, cooler, burning sun. It will be, it will burn cooler, It, but it will be larger. So when you look up at the sky in these times, there'll be this larger globe or bluish. Still bright, but bluish because it's cooler. It's kind of like this whole album and this whole direction is a new world for me. New Blue Sun is like a new direction. You got some real clever wordplay going on with these song titles. They feel part confessional, ironic, mind-altering, and all like super humorous, but also really lyrical and literary and long. Yeah, they were long on purpose because I knew if this album has no lyrics that I would try to give as much thought or information in the titles. And I've been going through a phase where I love these really long titles. I was trying to find fun and I think um, think that when people think of flutes, they think of symbols and chimes or meditation or this kind of um, 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 ethereal, 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 excuse me, um, kind of sound. They forget that we're human too. I guess the rapper in me, like I'm trying to humanize it or pucketize or like make it less precious. It is precious, but at the same time, we're human, so we laugh. I was trying to really inject some type some type of humanness um, because I'm a full-rounded person. I'm a Gemini, so you may think it's one side, but I got this whole other, like, devilish kind of side, too. And I think every human has it in them. I was trying to show some balance in it. 
it's not all incense burning. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's funny because I listened to the album first before having the titles. Then And then once I got the titles, it really forced me to listen with new ears. The first song title really addresses the elephant in the room right off top. I don't want to troll people. I don't want people to think, oh, this Andre 3000 album is coming. And you play it and like, oh man, no verses. So even actually on the packaging, you'll see set you'll see it says warning, no bars. It's letting you know what it is off the top. But also I love rap music because it was a part of my youth. So I would love to be out here with everybody rapping because it's almost like fun and being on the playground. Not to say that I would never do it again, but those are not the things that are coming right now. And I have to present what's giving to me at the time. So the title, I really wanted to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time is because this album is about wind and breathing. In that way, it is true. It is literally blowing me this way. And I'm blowing flutes and I'm blowing digital instruments. I also imagine the legacy that the legacy of Outcast, as great as it is, has maybe in some ways also weighed you down at times or blanketed your creativity. Nah, nah, nah. It it catapulted me, man. Outcast Outcast was just an incubator to explore. I couldn't have done a lot of the things if BitBoy didn't support it. If I was on my own, it may have been taken a different way. But even tw- now, 20 years out, almost post-Outcast, did it f- still feel like a catapult? Or did it f- ever feel like something you had to live up to in terms of whatever you were going to do next? If I'm a fan, yeah, I do understand how you would want it to um, live up to what was before. So in that way, it's kind of in that way, it's in that way, it's kind of sucky that 
uh, people people judge you for what uh, was before, but that's life, you know. And Outcast was a part of my life, and of course there are certain standards that were set. We've created a certain standards that people's ears have gotten accustomed to. People are going to expect a thing, but I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. It's kind of a good thing in a way um, because you hope to create an art piece that people enjoy and they've enjoyed it for years. So they kind of want to hold you to that. When you talk about your relationship with rap, it makes me curious. Is it the art form itself or the current state of rap that you feel most disconnected from? No, no, it's it's all of it. where the world dictates how you come so all of it is a factor i mean i get beats from producers even like current producers now all the time and i still produce myself but i just haven't found anything that's pleasing enough to me to want to be to want to present and not from any of the producers or anything because i'd be loving when I hear somebody else do it, but it's kind of like I don't know how to rock on that really in a way that I feel great about it. So if I can't find a way to rock on it, I kind of leave it there. Is that why you said instrumental music feels more rebellious to you? Talk about your passion for it, how it started, and how you kind of got off into that bag. What's really funny, as a youngster, when I heard jazz music, I associated jazz music with old people. I'm just being honest. As a rapper, I associated jazz music with old people and elevator music because it had become that. And here's what's hilarious too. Every generation will do that. What's funny is at some point in the future, people are going to listen to rap, to trap music and be like, oh, that's nice. Um, it happens because society moves forward and it always does. But I remember when I was about 20 and I got um, into producing I always liked some songs, the pop songs like Take Five or Chuck um, Mangione feels good, feels so good. I remember that playing on the radio as a kid and humming the melodies. So I'm getting affected by these instrumental cats. And once I started get really getting into it, I'm like, hold up, jazz was the was the rap of that time. 
these dudes were smoking. They were doing heroin. They were in clubs. We trade versus they were trading solos. When you really get into it and you really understand what they were doing and how rebellious what they were doing was, you are like, man, this is the universe. Once I discovered and I and got into it, loving Eric Dolphy and Coltrane and Yusef Latif, you know Pharaoh Sanders like these are some of my favorites. And as a child, I'm like, whoa, they can actually say something or make me feel something without saying something. Yeah, that's hard. Think about it, man. And it's so universal, too, because you don't have to be American. You don't have to be Japanese. You don't have to be from Israel. You don't have to be from South America. But it affects everybody because they are tones. It's just sound. It just sounds and tones that can be translated in a way, and that was really, really attractive to me. So I always looked up to those cats and those cats more than anybody. I've always messed around with instruments, and I was trying to figure out how to, how can I do it in in my own way. And so when I got to the point, it was just fun. And I felt like if someone is transported or they are feeling a thing or feeling a way, I'm sharing something in a different way. I know from watching my heroes grow older that um, your rhythm ages you in a certain way and your vocals um, age you in a certain way so i was always trying to figure out a way that i can continue you can continue rapping for the rest of your life till you're 90 years old but i've always tried to find a way that was ageless And when you are listening to a player, a lot of times you may not you may not, not know their age. I kind of love that in a way. Not that there's anything wrong with age. I think we have a thing where we kind of run away from from age. I love that I'm 48 now. If I could go back to being 21, I would not. And that's just the truth. Sometimes I look in the mirror, I'm like, man. You have civil, you have civil hair, and I'm like, that's so awesome, you know, you know what I mean. It's like I'm a silverback gorilla. <laughs> oh man, oh shit, uh, you have to earn that.
you have to really earn it. I've had silver hair since I was 17, to be honest, but now it's more prominent. Prominent. Do you find that you are able to say things through the music that you can't with words? Yes, now that people are finally hearing it, everybody has their own translation, and that's kind of cool because it's for you. It's your thing. You can have your own thoughts with it. I have my own thoughts. One cool thing about flute or any kind of instrument, instrumental music, but for me, the focus is flute and wind instruments, like whatever mood I'm in. If I'm playing, I can be saying anything. I can be saying, I hate that. I hate that pussy nigga. I can be saying, <laughs> oh shit. I can be saying um, that with my flute, or I can be saying, oh, you are really attractive. I can be saying those things in my mind and translating them in, a, in my way. It's kind of funny. It's funny. Some things in society you can't say out loud, especially now. Um, especially really sensitive about everybody's really sensitive about things, but you can say them with an instrument. It's kind of cool. It's kind of like a sub talk. How many foods? How many foods do you own? Uh, maybe about thirty or forty foods. Wow, okay, I did not expect that. It's because I started with one style of flute. The style that I started with was introduced to me by Cassia. She's a world-class surfer, and she was playing this flute at this breathwork class. As soon as she started playing, my ears popped up. I'm like, what is that sound? I had to go up to her and ask her, and she introduced me. she introduced me to my flute master the guy that makes my flute um guillermo martinez And that style of flute that he makes was my intro to flutes. I was living in New York at that point, and when I get when I get into an Uber, get into a taxi, I always play. And depending on the taxi driver, wherever nationality they were, um, if they were Chinese or if they were African African or Indian, they would always turn around and be like, "Oh, that reminds me." of my country though even though i'm playing one flute at that point they would start to have a conversation with me like oh man have you ever heard of the bensuri flute which is an indian flute oh an indian flute or oh have you heard of the nay flute that's like an egyptian or turkish flute i'm kind of getting schooled by different cultures on different flutes so when I say I have a lot of flutes, I mostly my style of flutes made by Guillermo. But I started to just collect a lot of different flutes, flutes from a lot of different countries. So I have flutes from Thailand. 
I have foods from China. I have foods from Korea, foods from Africa. It's just being excited about wind and flutes. And every culture has a flute. The flute is the first instrument where we actually heard a musical tone or note. And one thing I like about flutes and wooden flutes in particular is it's the closest to the human voice out of all the instruments. I think that's why I kind of gravitated towards it. When you are hearing a flute player or a saxophonist, you are actually hearing the wind of that human. When you hear, when you hear it more in wood, because I think sometimes the met the met hold on, the metal may color it more. But it's something about the wood and the human voice. It's closest to the human voice. I think I was really attracted to that. Um you talked about the random Andre sightings and how it became like a game of Where's Waldo. But the thing to me that's interesting about those sightings is they started happening at a time when you, when we weren't seeing or hearing much from you. And when we would see you, you would look at peace. You were playing this flute and it was reassuring that whatever was going on with you, you seemed like you were in a good place. And with artists that we care about, when we're not hearing output from them, that's always a question. Are they in a good place? I'm happy. I'm happy when I'm playing. I'm exploring when I'm playing. When I'm thinking, when I'm playing. I wouldn't say that it's a set out med- meditation, but I do think you get into a meditative practice for staying in the moment and doing a repetition, <laughs> a repetition um, of something. Um, actually, every time when I'm playing, I'm making it up as I'm going along. So I have to force myself to pay attention to what I'm doing. Sometimes I may find a pattern that I like or a melody that I like that I kind of kind of go back to. Um, <clears throat> but for the most part, I'm responding to what's happening. So, yeah, I'm very in the moment when I'm playing. Um. And it's funny you say that because if I was on the corner and somebody said, oh, man, um, that's Andre 3000. Man, rap. It would feel so weird for me to just start rapping. But if somebody said, hey, play, what does that sound like? I'm so gung-ho to play. I love to play it. So, yeah, it's completely different. 
maybe because it's completely free. Like, I love when rappers can freestyle. Maybe they can feel that feeling, too, when someone asks them to rap. But for me, that's like if someone asks you to build a house right here on the spot, you know what I mean. You know what I mean? That may be fun for some people, but it's actually worked for me. <clears throat> now, I'm not... Now, I ain't gonna lie. This song, the, that night in Hawaii when I turned into a panther and started making these low-register purring tones that I couldn't control, shit was wild. Sounds like a straight-up um, Ayahuasca trip or something like that. That is exactly what I was talking about. Okay, well, you gotta tell me the story behind this, right? behind this night i was actually in hawaii and it was my second night of the first time i'd ever been ayahuasca we did it like a three night kind of phase the first night was inviting and beautiful and the most powerful love and connection with all things i've ever felt in my life the second night was different and everybody knows that Aya will do you that way. The second night, my stomach was hurting. My mouth um, contorted like a panther. And I was, and I actually turned into a panther. And I was doing like, grrr, like, <laughs> like that kind of thing. I actually turned it, turned into a panther. It was doing this thing called toning toning is another way of purging and toning is where you make these vibrational noises that you can't control it started playing me like an instrument i was i started as a panther and it and then it would make me do think do these things it made me do these long kind of tones and started changing the notes so on the album I'm mimicking I'm mimicking it but the th the funny thing in the Aya session I was like damn I wish I had my phone so I can record this cuz like I'd be so dope I'm witnessing it and I'm watching it and it holds you for so long I'm like where's this breath coming from and then you end off and you go and do it again and I'm like whoa what is happening right now? So that's what I'm talking about in that title. Was it scary at the time? How did it make you feel? It was kind of intriguing at the, at the time because the sound listener in me, I'm digging the sound. But um, at the time, the shaman is coming over and he's fanning me. And he's saying, oh, that's like 20 years, 20 years of therapy happening right now. I guess I had to get through that moment. But yeah, it was just interesting because my mouth actually shaped like a panther. And this lasted hours or how long was it? Most IS sessions um, last about six hours, but it don't feel like six hours. It feels like maybe two or three. Has it been overall, even after the fact 
as eye-opening an experience as they say it. Yeah, man, I was I was a changed person when I left Hawaii. Really. Yeah, I have to say, man, it is legit, you know. I won't say it's like a fix a fix all kind of thing, but at the time when I went to when I went to do it, I was very I was I was in a very, very low place. A friend of mine told me about it, and he was like, you you got to check it out. Read this book first. So I read about it before I went in because I was like, man, y'all niggas just like to do drugs, and I'm not into that into it like that. And it just so happened that I ran into a person that was going to Hawaii the next day. And I was like, well, why are you going to Hawaii? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do this this thing with the sham. So usually it comes to you when you need it. So I would tell anybody, don't let anybody force you into doing ayahuasca or any or nothing like that. You'll know if you want to do it or when you need it, when you need to do it, because it calls you. And I know it sounds bigger than what it is, but it actually is bigger than what it is. But it's so natural. Um, the plants have been here way before we were human so it's like um you are having a conversation with your great 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 grandmothers it's too many greats anyway um oh shit it's one thing to talk about your evolution as an artist but even as a person you've been through a lot Honestly, I don't know if fans always remember to take into account when we make these selfish demands for more music from artists that we love. In the last decade, you've lost both your mom and your dad, and more more recently, your stepdad, who I know you said was really an anchoring person in your life. That's a lot of grief for anybody to hold, especially back to back. How did you how did managing all of that change you as a person? Yes, it, it's a lot in, other, in, in the order that it happened, but it's life too, man. The worst thing about it is you don't expect it. It wasn't anything that I could prepare for. But yeah, I'm happy to know that my parents and my stepfather are, are in their next phase of what's happening, you know? At that time, it was a lot. It was really, really heavy for me. But you get through it and you keep living. They exchanged energy with you. So you kind of feel a boost in your back at the same time as if, you know, when they pass, they give it to you. So I can say death makes you think about living. Death makes you push. The unfortunate thing is the older you get, the more funerals you have to go to. Yeah, I hear that often. Did it, did it make music or your art and your craft feel any less essential or more essential in any kind of way? I say that. 
it just kind of makes you just remember things. It makes you remember the times that you and your mom had. Um, or the times that your stepdad told you certain things. Yeah, it just kind of reiterates what was given to you when they were here, you know. I just had a conversation with Guillermo, my flute maker, and he was telling me that there's a responsibility that comes with flute playing. Maybe two years after I had my flute, I went back to Guillermo to kind of get a checkup on my flute and get it get it tuned and cleaned. And he pulls me to the side and he's like, hey, I noticed that you are really into these flutes. I have to tell you that there will come a time when you play and people will cry. Um, and it's happened to me like a few times now. Grown men like crying. One time I'm in a taxi and, and once I get in, I usually start playing and this guy turns around crying. He was like, my mother died last night. And when you play, it makes it feel like she's right here in the seat with me. Um, we were having this conversation, me and Guillermo. Um, and he was like, I get asked to play at funerals now. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Because I was recently asked to play at a funeral. And I denied it. When Virgil Abloh passed, his family asked, would I play at the funeral? And I denied it. But I only I only because um, I felt like I would be a distraction. I don't know. I just felt like it would have taken away from the moment. And I only knew Virgil through text and a few conversations. So I couldn't pretend like I knew him that well. Um, I was honored that the family asked me to play at the funeral, but I couldn't. And so when I told Guillermo, he was like, yeah, sometimes you have to look at it now as a responsibility to, responsibility to play. They asked you to play for a reason. When my mom passed, I had this urge to play, but I wasn't even playing flute back then. I think I was more on guitar at that point, and I just didn't. I don't think I could go through with it, but yeah, there's something about it. Playing at funerals, I think New Orleans has it best. Like, I think the way we do funerals, I think it's really adequated and sad. And I think we need to party more. Uh, one thing about people who acquire a certain amount of fame is you didn't, you don't always necessarily have a lot of control over over your legacy or how you 
are remembered or the parts that people choose to gloss over or the parts they assess about forever. But if you could choose, how would you summarize this first half century of your life? I've noticed that I'm a catalyst kind of artist. And what I mean by that is I think I'm being used in ways to be watched, to be inspiring the people. And to me, that's the best thing ever, man, to inspire someone else to do something else. I see it now. I see the inspiration in other people. And to me, it's validation of me being here as a human. I think all humans just want validation. If I got to go through this life, I at least want people to know that I did something or that I was valuable to somebody. So I've kind of had time to sit and look back from rap to musicians, to the new generation, to new artists that I'm so happy that I was a part of a lineage and a legacy and kind of food for the next generation. Because I've noticed that you are only as good as the people that were before you. What is it that you hope this generation, this hip hop generation takes from this particular project and this moment in your creative arc? Explore, man, explore. That's what it's about. Like keep pushing. That's really what it is. I mean, the same way you explore words, you don't have to let it stick to words. Explore whatever you pay attention to. Pay attention to what you are paying attention to and go for it. That's really what it is. Like, I couldn't have planned this. I just started paying attention to a thing and just went for it. So you don't have to stay in a certain way. Um, And they know it now, like they got it, man. I'm seeing that whole no categories kind of thing. Um, We're in a world now where we are, where we have so many influences coming from so many different directions that um, you don't have to be one thing. I do find it noble and I find it awesome when someone can focus on one thing. While a lot of different practices are bringing in a lot of different things is interesting too. So if it calls you, test it. I just really want to be inspiring for people and to look at it and be like, yeah, I want to explore. Um, I haven't really changed my formula, my formula at all. It's just this is further out. Like I've always kind of just been exploring what I can do and just kind of riding the ride. When me and Big Boy got together, we didn't really know where we were going. We had human intentions. We knew we wanted to rap. And I never knew that rapping would even take me to producing and producing would 
take me to playing instruments and instruments would get me get me here so i've just been on the ride and people have been on a ride with us and with me i see this as just being further down the road Okay, next we got Lil Wayne, um, and this is from BET. Um, Little Wayne is taking issue with a comment Andre 3000 made during a recent interview with GQ. The outcast rapper told the publication, sometimes it feels inauthentic for me to rap, which Young Money Radio host Tiger played for the New Orleans hip-hop legend during the interview. In reaction, Weezy said the notion made him sad. I read a depressing quote or two from someone that I respect a lot in hip hop and music period. He said, they were asked why you ain't been doing music. And they was, and they was like, man, what I'm gonna, man, what am I gonna talk about? I'm in my forties. Like, what am I gonna talk about? What you want to know about me being 40 and the life I'm living at this age? <clears throat> What am I supposed to talk about? Wayne then provided a summary of Three Stacks interview and added, I feel like I have everything to talk about. I feel like you got to stay in it. You got to stay in it. I feel like you can't be too far removed, Tiger interjected to which Wayne agreed. Wayne explained how he believes Andre's comments could become a downfall element to his career. He also added his personal experiences of providing features to younger art, younger artists and challenges that come with it. 
So, yeah. Um, now the now the thing with the flutes, I'm pretty sure some people are feeling it and all that great stuff. But like I said, pre, but like I said, man. Um, I think it's a. I think for me, it for me when it comes to a music artist like Andre 3000, you got to be confident in your in your craft, man. Even if you're doing flutes, you gotta be confident in your craft though even if you're not rapping um i don't think it really matters i mean you gotta i mean he's living his truth so that's pretty much what it is right here and as for little wayne to say that it sounds depressing um yeah um he got some little wayne got some valid points but i don't know if i strike that as depressing but who knows All right. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure y'all familiar with TV dinners, right? So, um, National TV Dinner Day is celebrated on September 10th. It is the holiday that captures the essence of TV dinner. This is a day to let yourself enjoy a co complete meal without having to cook. It also, um, it is also a good time to enjoy a nice um, show on TV. Did you know that the first TV dinner was uh, a Thanksgiving meal of turkey, peas, cornbread, dressing, and sweet potatoes? It was the company um, C.A. Swanson and Sons that developed TV dinners in 1953. Um, so let's get to the history of National TV Dinner Day. As television become more of a pastime, families began to gather around it to have a good time. The concept of TV dinner was created in order to make the experience even better. Originally, hang on a second. Originally, Originally known as TV brand Frozen Dinner, Frozen Dinner, TV dinners became popular in the 1950s. 50 years before the boom of TV dinners, meat was already a common frozen commodity, but it didn't have a wide appeal because the freezing methods made the food lose flavor and taste. The evolution of frozen foods 
was aided largely by Clarence Birdseye, who discovered a quick and effective way of freezing um, fish as a uh, as early as 1925. With the, with this knowledge, he expanded the process into vegetables. This method of frozen foods was used in procuring food for the military during World War II. In 1949, Albert and Mayor Bernstein ushered the idea of TV dinners to the larger market. They founded Frozen Dinners Incorporated and began selling their products in the Pittsburgh area. However, TV dinners became popular after C.A. Swanson and Sons rebranded the, the idea of Frozen Dinners. This time, there was a general acceptance of the idea. And TV dinners became an instant hit. Um, the original idea is credited to Jerry Thomas, a Swanson salesman. After low Thanksgiving sales, there was an abundance of turkey left. In an attempt to salvage the leftovers, Jerry Thomas claims to have come up with the idea of TV dinners. Today, TV dinners cover a limitless range of food, including fruits and vegetables. And National TV Dinner Day is the holiday that set that is set aside to appreciate and enjoy the simplicity of eating while enjoying a good time in front of your television set. All right, the timeline: um, 1925 improved methods for freezing food. Clarence Birdseye develops an effective method of freezing fish. 1944, useful during the war. Uh, using Clarence Birdseye's method, Maxson Food Systems Incorporated is able to make frozen dinners for the military and civil air carriers. Um, 1953, first TV dinner, C.A. Swanson and Sons come up with the idea of a TV dinner after they were left with tons of leftover turkey. Um, 1986, trays for microwaves, uh, trays for microwaves, uh, trays that adapt to microwaves are invented for the purpose of TV dinners. How to observe National TV Dinner Day. Order a TV dinner. Spare yourself the stress of cooking on National TV Dinner Day. Get your TV dinner, warm it up, and watch a classic movie if you like. Invite your friends. Have your friends come over for the day. You can. You all can binge watch your television shows as you eat. Buy, buy dinner for someone.
Um, yeah, buy dinner for someone. You can buy a TV dinner for someone who needs it. Many people have no time between jobs and sleep. Five interesting interesting facts about TV dinner. Um, number one, it was an instant success. In their third year of marketing the TV dinner, C.A. Swanson and Sons sold 25 million units. Number two, wide range of options. You have a wide range of options when choosing your TV dinner. Number three, uh, made popular by the TV. Watching the TV was an important aspect of TV dinner as families would gather before the television set. Not expensive. The TV dinners are generally not very expensive and they save you some time and energy. Um, and, And number five, there are hungry man dinners. Hungry man dinners are popular sizes of the TV dinners with more food on bigger trays. Why we love National TV Dinner Day, you ask. TV dinners save time. As a worker, it is sometimes impossible to create time for cooking. We love the fact that you can easily pick up a TV dinner. Good time to have fun. On National TV dinner day we can watch and have a good time with family and friends and everyone can have a tv dinner and everyone can have one there's a wide range of food options so everyone can enjoy the national tv day all right so um um next year 2024 tuesday september 10th 2025 wednesday september 10th 2026 Thursday, September 10th, 2027, Friday, September 10th, and 2028, Sunday, September 10th. All right. All right. Um, all right. On to the next topic. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, speaking of TV dinners, let's get to cup noodles. Instant ramen noodles um, have long been a staple for Americans short on time or cash or just for anyone who likes an easy treat like me. Uh, Nissan's popular cup noodles ramen um, has been available here in the U.S. for around 50 years. And until very recently... I didn't realize I have apparently been cooking them all wrong. The company announced this week to my surprise and a lot of 
other people's surprise that a new design will make the cup microwavable for the first time. Oops, here's here to talk about the big change and so much more is John Kung, author of a new cookbook. It's called Kung Food Chinese American Recipes from a Third Culture Kitchen. Ah, so this is from Welcome to All Things Considered. <clears throat> yeah, John Kung, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Summers, uh, okay. We should start by noting that Nissen does say on the old packaging that it shouldn't be microwave, but be that it may, I have to know, do you microwave your cup noodles in that styrofoam cup like I do? Or are you the kind of person who boils the water separate and then eats it them that way? I think there is a little bit of a cultural difference in this way. So as we know, like the cup noodles were consumed originally in Asia, where we have hot water on the ready instantly in the form of like instant hot water kettles. So we never actually took the time to boil the noodles. We always had boiling water ready. So I don't think culturally speaking, we ever really microwaved our noodles over there um so um do you have early memories of eating instant ramen was it a big part of your life oh my gosh yeah every night i used to like wake up in the middle of the night and just like fix myself up a snack of like all sorts of different kinds of cup noodles that would uh that they would have available over there um john i will confess that i am among the millions of people that follow you on tiktok though i will just say that nothing that i make in my kitchen at home as looks as good as when you do it and one of the things that i really love about your videos is when you started sort of going rogue putting your own artist on your ramen, when did you start doing that? I just started doing that because I wanted to, a reason to try different brands and different flavors of ramen. There are brands that are like based in Singapore and other parts of Southeast Asia that produce things like curry flavors or Laska, Lassa, Laksa flavors that are like really bright and bold and vibrant. So as an excuse for me to just like try a new one, I started a series of like how to upgrade them on YouTube. Give us some examples. How can we upgrade our ramen at home?
One of the most basic ways that I like to upgrade my instant noodles is simply just like making the broth a little bit more deep and velvet, velvety, and to do that is pretty e pretty easy. Pretty easy. You can add just a mixture of cornstarch and water, and adding that to boiling broth will make it a lot thicker closer to the kinds that you'll get at ramen shops. It won't be anywhere near as good, but every step closer to that, I say, is in a step in the right direction. One of the things I still really like to do at that I like to do is add an egg or maybe some like baby bok choy or something like that. I guess I don't know if I'm trying to make it healthy, but I feel like a, a little veggie, a little veggie kind of elevates it. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Whether it be vegetables or you can use herbs or you can use like um aromatics such as scallions onions shallots those all really those all go really well in there um john you are making my lunch and dinner decisions for the next few days very easy thank you for that of course john is the author of a new cookbook it's called kung fu kung fu chinese american recipes from a third culture kitchen thank you so much for being here and yeah this is it's interesting that you um it's interesting that you have creative ways to actually add things to um to ramen and i was like wait a minute you know i'd be surprised if a lot of people actually i can't say i'd be surprised though because i see people who have um ramen noodles in the cup and they're warm up they're warming up in the uh, microwave, but the styrofoam doesn't melt. You know what I'm saying? Um, hold on a second. Let me see who's in the chat here. <laughs> hey, Eric. Eric Hawk 45, man. Yeah. Um, shouts to you from the D and happy holidays to you and your audience. Hey, happy happy holidays to you merry christmas and and i hope you um enjoy your christmas i hope you finish your christmas shopping already and i hope you enjoy your new years as well uh so shout outs to the shout outs to um eric hawk 45 um who also has a show on youtube you can check him out on youtube actually um get off my lawn um and the other show that he does so so follow him on instagram boom Um, let me see who else is in here. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, okay. Let's get into 
Let's get into Mario Lopez. And this is from Vibe. Mario Lopez has responded to shock fans who recently heard his hood voice for the first time, admitting that he code switches for he code switches for work. In September, a video of Mario narrating himself eating um, mariscos with salsa um, guacamaya went viral. His voice sounds noticeably different in the clip as he winds down with a modelo and unapologetically lets his true Mexican-American colors fly. Um, you know me and the homie had to give you the lowdown on on Marisco's underscore L underscore Bigoton and taste test the goods. He says in a clip, this is fire. Um, Lopez can be heard saying after he takes a bite of a shrimp taco, he even referred to his friend in the video as food. The code switch was positively received by comments on TikTok and and X, formerly known as Twitter, with many fans loving his authentic self. Other comments were genuinely shocked at the revelation. I've never imagined Mario Lopez spoke any other way besides his TV news anchor voice, one person commented. He's Mario Lopez on TV and S.A. Mario on the streets, and I'm here for it. Another person quit. Mario Lopez is the prime example of using the Mickey Mouse voice during work hours. Someone else joked. Um, Mario caught wind of the reaction and uploaded a video addressing the confusion. He explained that it was racking his brain trying to understand why people were shocked at his voice then he re he then realized that many of his fans didn't know he was mexican which also confused him all right so all kinds of people hit me up right now because evidently i'm trending on twitter he began
Um, where was I? Yes. Um, all right. So, so all kinds of people hit me up right now because evidently I'm trending on Twitter. He began, people don't think I'm Mexican. Is that a trip with a name like Mario Lopez? I know what people have been thinking that I am everything from Hawaiian and Italian, but I'm not. That's the weirdest thing. The Saved by the Bell actor then explained his origins. He detailed that he was born in Chula Vista, California, and is a first-generation American. Lopez expressed that his parents were born in Mexico and moved to the States before he was born. Mario then hypothesized that maybe the food videos he had been doing on TikTok confused people. He then asserted that he couldn't speak the same way on Access Hollywood, especially when he's trying to cash these tech, trying to cash these checks. I have been doing these food videos on social with my homies, and it's a lot of Mexican food. I love to eat, he added. I'm talking saying homies using a lot of slang and just kind of being myself, being yourself. I can't be like that on Access Hollywood or my radio show trying to cash these checks. I can't I can't be sounding all hood. I got to keep it a little more polished and buttoned up. But my whole circle is Mexicano. So there you go. There you go, right there. Um, yeah, um, let's see. Okay, what else? What else we got here? Okay, no cap. <laughs> oh, man. So this is from allhiphop.com. Hang on a second here. Um, it's been said imitation is the biggest form of flattery, but no cap isn't pleased with the current artificial intelligence trend that has his lyrics posted all over social media. The Alabama rapper actually took to Twitter um, recently and expressed his disdain for the latest viral trend, which pairs lyrics from popular rap songs with meme-style images of fictional animated characters such as Peter Griffin of Family Guy and Harry Potter. Um, it appears the main reason No Cap is upset over the trend is seemingly due to the fact that his bars are going viral without being attributed to the lyricists who penned them. I don't respect um I don't respect um little quotes stealing my flow and shit going viral. 
No cat wrote in a tweet stamped with evidence of the aforementioned memes. Um, even though the bars are slightly different, the interpolation of the cadence and overall punchline is borderline plagiarism. At the end of the day, even though the vaccine rapper is frustrated by the trend, we all know there is no such thing as a bad publicity for the most part. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, next, um, <clears throat> uh, of course, um, obviously, um, Mean Girls Reunion, um, this is from People, uh, Mean Girls Reunion is here and it's totally fetch. Lindsay Lohan, Amanda Seyfried, Lacey Shabert, Daniel Franzese, and Rajiv Surendra came together after nine years to film Walmart's new campaign supporting the brand's hot holiday deals. The commercial airing on November 1st shows um, guidance counselor Katie Heron, um, played by L L Lizzie Lohan, weather report Karen Smith, stage mom Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> What kind of name is that? That's that shit is so fucking lame, man. <laughs> oh man. Proud dad Kevin um Napor um and bestie Damien returning to North Shore High School where a new car no a new crew of it um girls rule the halls. Some things never change. On Wednesdays, we wear pink, but now we shop Walmart Black Friday deals. Caddy says as Gretchen pulls up in a convertible filled with Walmart um, shopping bags. The ad revisits some of the movie's most iconic scenes from Karen's airheaded weather reports to the famous Jingle Bell Rock performance with the sexy Santa costumes to match. It was so nice being back together after all these years. It was great catching up with everyone. Lohan tells people exclusive, exclusively of being back on the set with her former castmates. It was wonderful to spend the day with Amanda and Lindsay, and it was so much fun getting to reminisce and be together again as uh, Shabert, no, excuse me, um, Shabert. Franzese couldn't agree more. It was great working with old friends again for this new Walmart commercial. Being reunited around this campaign feels really special. Um, 
what better time to get together than right before the holidays? He adds, I know we're, we are excited for everyone to see what we've all been up to. Walmart um, made it so special by allowing us to have fun together while getting to do a new project that spreads excitement. There's something here for everyone. <laughs> um, he jokes. Um, and, um, there's more to come for fans who can't get enough of the Mean Girls comeback. Starting this week, Walmart will be releasing a new commercial featuring the cast every Wednesday leading up to Black Friday and Cyber Monday, November 27th, which I, which already, uh, this is a little recap. Um, that means more content and deals to look forward to. Okay. Fresh from his notable appearance on Brent uh, Fiaz's um, surprise album, Larger Than Life Flea, the Queens New York representative unveils the deluxe edition of his acclaimed project, Ghost. This deluxe release features eight additional tracks, building on the, the success of the original 16-track project produced by Surf Gang's Evil um Evil GN, Snaps, and Mexi Mexico Dro, and Nat Carlos. Um, this is from um, the Source website. Um, Ghost Deluxe Edition further solidifies Flea's impact on the rapidly growing underground rap scene. His distinctive flow harmonizes seemingly 
seamlessly with the lively production, a trademark of his frequent collaborator, established produced artist Cash Cobain. Cash Cobain. Um, the project highlights their unique sound that originated as a NYC secret, but has now found its way into the mainstream with Cobain securing a placement on Drake's um, record-breaking album for all the dogs. Notable tracks like um, Bubble Green and Last Four Hour um, contribute to the expansion of the foundation laid by the original project. Flea reaches new heights with the single FTS. Complemented by a video featuring King Holmes, Flea's um, infectious hooks and Instagram caption um, worthy lyrics further solidify his position as a key player in New York's resurgence to reclaim the throne as the epicenter of hip hop. All right. Um, yes, Bustin' Rhymes gets his um, flowers, man. <clears throat> yeah. Um, All right. Um, and this is from ET Online. Um, the rapper emotionally um, thanked his fans as he accepted the award after hitting the stage for a performance celebrating his legacy. Sunday Night's 2023 BET Awards gave one of the greatest. Um, his flowers. Um, during Culture's biggest night, Buster Rhymes was honored with the Lifetime Achievement Award presented by Marlon Wayans and Swizz Beats, where he shared an inspirational message in his acceptance speech, and he got emotional while reflecting on the award. Um, speaking with ET's Kevin Fraser, after the show at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles, Rhymes explained what exactly brought him to tears during his speech. I was thinking about everyone that I acknowledge. I was thinking about the ones I couldn't get to because I have enough time. Um, Rhymes explained, and I'm looking at my kids for the first time all together at such a prestigious moment in my life. Uh, several of the artists, the artists' six kids were in the audience on Sunday, and Rhymes admitted that it was their love and support that really moved him. And quote, I ain't, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie. One thing I didn't want to say on, on the stage is that as I'm looking at my kids, 
there were a lot of times when I had to leave home to do this shit to make sure they were straight. And I lived with that guilt for a long time because I might have missed a graduation. You know what, you know, you know what I'm saying? I might've missed a birthday. I might've missed teaching my kid how to ride a bike. He reflected. Um, I might, might've missed teaching my kid how to ride a bike. He reflected, but as they got older, they understood. And I'm super grateful because to see how proud of me um, they are now sometimes made, sometimes made, made me feel like I might, might've let them down in the past. It was challenging to look at them so happy and still feel like I've got to work. I got work to do to make them happier. He added known for his rapid fire delivery and intricate rhymes. The 51 year old artist was surprisingly candid and sentimental during his acceptance speech, uh, as he got real about his career and the trajectory of his life. All right. So I'm going to wear it on my sleeve. I don't want to cry rhyme shared as he got a, a resounding cheer from the audience. Then after taking a moment, he recalled the story about how he got his career jump started nearly three decades ago and how much his love for the craft is still going strong in his heart. I'm going to say I'm grateful that the blessing that has been bestowed upon me and this gift that I have been given and this fire that continues to burn as a person in my soul that allows me to get into any situation from the stage to collabing with whoever and making sure that I am far from the weak link he shared, he shared because I enjoy walking away from a situation I, I bust ass. <laughs> oh shit. Um, hold on. It's just me trying to do my duty to continue to advance the culture and continue to contribute in a significant way. He continued, I see so many people in here that I have known and grown with for a long time. You are watching me grow and I love y'all and I know y'all love me. The moving speech was president, president, was preceded by a short video package that highlighted Buster's accomplishments across music, movies, and TV with stars like Diddy, Pharrell, Janet Jackson, Dave Chappelle, and more commenting on the performer's incredible legacy. 
Um, the stars touched on Buster's notable contributions to the film industry, um, such as appearances in several movies, including Higher Learning, Chef, and Halloween Resurrection. Um, so yeah. Yeah, congratulations to Buster Rhymes getting his flowers and life achievement award. So yeah. All right, let's make some noise, man, for Buster Rhymes, man. Legendary, legendary rapper in hip hop. Okay, there's a segment that I haven't done for a long time. And <clears throat> and this is called the Black-Owned Trendsetter Shoutouts. All right. Um, all right. And this is dedicated to a Black-owned business called Taste Buds NYC, which is on Merrick um, near 110th Avenue. I didn't even, I passed by it on the Q5 a couple of times though, man, but let's get into it right here, man.
All right. Um, for those of you who may not know what um what that is, so I'll break it down to you. So Taste Buds NYC is a vibrant and beloved black-owned deli nestled in the heart of South Jamaica, Queens, with a passion for culinary excellence and a deep appreciation for the diverse food culture of New York City. Yes, um, Taste Buzz NYC has become a local gem known for crafting the finest crop, the finest chopped cheese sandwiches in the entire city. Stepping into Taste Buzz NYC, you'll immediately feel the warm and welcoming atmosphere. The walls are adorned and colorful artwork celebrating the rich heritage of South Jamaica, Queens, and the scent of sizzling ingredients fills the air. The friendly staff is always ready to serve up a taste sensation that will keep you from coming back for more. The star of the menu at Taste Buzz NYC is undoubtedly their chopped cheese sandwich. Each one is a masterpiece of flavor and texture featuring perfectly seasoned ground beef, melted cheese, fresh vegetables, and a secret sauce, all lovingly tucked into a toasted roll. Um, every bite is a symphony of savory and satisfying um, taste, a true representation of the city's culinary diversity. Beyond their iconic sandwich, Taste Buds NYC offers an array of other mouth-watering options, including salads, wraps, and homemade sides. Vegetarian and vegan choices are also available, assuring there's something delicious for everyone. And um, Taste Buds NYC isn't just a deli. It's a community hub where locals gather to enjoy great food and share stories, whether you are a resident of South Jamaica or a visitor to the city. A visit to Taste Buds NYC promises an authentic and unforgettable taste of the Big Apple's culinary scene, all while supporting a thriving Black-owned business in the heart of Queens. And, and Taste Buds NYC is located at 110-28 Merritt Boulevard, Jamaica, Jamaica, New York, 11433. And of course, if you have any questions or anything like that whatsoever, um, you can you can reach out to them at 718-290-9679. Um, Sunday through Thursday, 7 a.m. 
to 12 a.m., Friday to Sunday, 7 a.m. to 1 a.m. All right. Um, you can take a look at them. You can go to um, you can go to their website, which is www.tastebudsny.com. So you can take a look at their menu. Yeah, you can take a look at them. Their um, you can take a look at their menu and um, all that great stuff right there. And um, yeah. So there you have it right there. There you have it right there. Um, I think that's it, man. I'm up. To... Yeah, I think that's it. All right. Um, all right. Um, I'm about to wrap this up right here, man. And I ain't going to go to the last segment of the night. Hang on. All right, <clears throat> stream choices on the go, man. Let's go. Make sure you follow Off the Meat Rat Chains New York Avenue podcast on Facebook, alongside with Threads, Instagram, alongside with my other podcast shows that I do, which is um meticulous, um not um not meticulous, but um excellent fun vibrant talks podcast, the sports um platform that I do and meticulous Rogers podcast as well. And um myself, G Money Stacks, Triple Five in Queens, New York. And um if you go to if you go to um my link tree, you're gonna see you're gonna see a whole list of our streaming platforms and all that other stuff. Um let me mention this. Um, 
let me mention this. Um, turn on your notifications on on Instagram so you can know when I'll be on Instagram live recording podcast episodes. All right. And um, yes, yeah, so if you go to my link tree, you're going to see a whole list of streaming platforms and you can also download it onto your iPhones, Android phones, iPads, Android tablets. You can also download on your laptops, which includes um, which includes Apple, Mac, and Dell laptops, which includes Windows. All right, so um, hold on a sec. Hey, what up, Corey? Long time. And um, yes. Yeah, so starting with Odyssey, Audible, Audio Burst, Amazon Music, Breaker, Bullhorn FM, Castbox FM, Deezer, Listen Notes, Moon FM Podcast, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Pod Bay, Pod Friend, Pod Hound, Podo Polo, Podorama Podcast, Index Podcast, Addict, Pod Chaser, Podverse Podcast, Guru, Podvine, Snip, Spotify, Spotify for Podcasters. Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, the number one app where you can listen to music, radio, and podcasts for free. You don't need a credit card or debit card to download iHeartRadio or any other stream platform apps that I just mentioned. Hang on a sec. All you need to do is make sure you follow on iHeartRadio and other streaming platforms. Follow the podcast. Subscribe. Be sure to subscribe. And, and of course, um, do the same with YouTube. Make sure you grab that subscribe button for me on the YouTube channel page alongside with alerts so you can be reminded and notified on when each episode recording of the podcast will be recording with the date, the day, the month, and the time alongside with alongside with um being on the air via live stream. Be sure you play be sure you press on the like button so we press on the like button and of course comment below about what you thought about the topics in today's episode or any previous episodes whatsoever. And um, of course, of course, um, make sure you listen, stream, and watch these episodes. You can download the episodes along with, um, along with adding the podcast and along with your favorite episodes onto your playlist like Spotify, Odyssey, Audio, Audible, 
you have Deezer, you have Castbox FM, you have Breaker, you have um, Deezer, you have um, Listen Notes, Moon FM Podcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and YouTube, and everywhere else on streaming platforms, wherever you get your podcast. All right. And um, if you add the podcast to your playlist, you are going to be notified on new episodes that will be dropping. All right. And um, of course, and of course, be sure to stay tuned for more of your content upcoming and previous episodes in case you miss any of them. Don't worry. And um and of course share the videos share the, share the episodes and tell a friend to another friend and of course be sure to be sure to um spread the word word of mouth is important um Yeah, spread the word. Word of mouth is important. And you can share my link tree um, that says link tree slash gmoneystats555 with all the streaming platforms with your husbands, your wives, your boyfriends, girlfriends, the people you're cool with from work and wherever you meet new people, all right? Now, um, before I get up out of here, Before I get up out of here, I want to mention my Discord, man, in case you guys want to reach out to me. As far as any questions, it can be any any anything in regards to like, you know, topics and and episodes, including this one. It could be about, you know, music and hip hop, rap, RB, um movies and TV shows. You have video games, you have sports in terms of what's going on on the off season of the Mets, um, which I will be covering and um, all that great stuff right there. And, um, and yeah, so that's discord at G money stacks, triple five right there. So turn on your notifications and, and be sure you follow it. All right. Um, anyway, I like to say I like to say thank you to every single one of you out there who took the time to listen to the podcast. You could have listened to any podcast in the whole world, but you chose to listen to my New York Avenue podcast. And, and of course, and of course, um, I appreciate every single one of you. Um, 
I'm your man, G Money Stacks, aka the Greginator. Thank you very much for listening to episode 316, dedicated to TV dinners, um, National TV Dinners Day. And remember, the grind doesn't stop. Hard work pays off. If you want something, you have to work hard and earn it because it's not going to be given to you on a fucking silver platter. All right. Um, and, um, you know, like I always say, list, find your niche, um, find your, find your skill that you're good at and be able to, um, capitalize on your craft, whatever it may be, man. And, um, and, you know, be confident in your craft, be on your P's and Q's on a consistency basis, um, finding your wins, your why's, your how's, your what's, and everything else in between. And, of course, be sure to, you know, follow your instincts and and of course you know be on your p's and q's that gets that um be on your p's and q's creatively mentally physically and spiritually that gets you into your zone alongside with tunnel vision all right don't let anybody stop you from following your goals and dreams whether it's podcasting whether it's radio personality whatever it may be man all right so yeah i'm about to be out of here i'm about to be out of here peace and one love tell us what you think about the whole andre 3000 thing and what little wayne said about how it's depressing and all that other stuff so um so yeah um so yeah so yeah Peace and one love. I hope y'all um, finish your Christmas shopping and all that great stuff right there. And I hope you enjoy your Christmas and your New Year's and all that other great stuff right there. So peace and one love. Good night, everybody. Yo, what's up, everyone at home? You want to hear more from me? I need your help on a couple of things. Go follow Off the Meat Rat Chains New York Avenue podcast on Facebook, Threads, and Instagram. Tap on the notifications so you can know when I will be on Instagram live recording podcast episodes. 
Plus, you can do the same with YouTube on my channel, G Money Stacks Triple Five. Grab the subscribe button for more live video episodes. Click on the notification bell and alerts as reminders of the date, day, and time when each episode recording will be on the air via live stream. You can also share your thoughts on the topics of each episode in the comments section. If you miss any new or previous episodes, don't worry. You can catch up in my link tree slash gmoneystacks555 with the links to listen, stream, and watch on every streaming platform, including Spotify for Podcasters, formerly known as Anchor, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Also, you can download and add the podcast to your playlist of your favorite episodes. I'm your man, G Money Stacks, a.k.a. The Greganator. Thank you so much for, for tuning in, listening, streaming, rocking with me, and watching me on the podcast. One love. Peace out.